there's, there's no way to rig an election in a country this big. Um, you sure about that, Mr. President? Brother. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Why did I? I got the feeling that something right. Oh, yeah. That's I'm so right. scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. In Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI News Radio. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, the Green Renaissance Network, 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950. The progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the intertubes. As long as there's no denial of service attack on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik Blanketing. Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today as our broadcast Shocktober Spooktacular <laughs> continues. Uh, that is uh, Desi Doyen already laughing in the background. Oh, How yeah. are you, Desi Doyen? <laughs> I'm good. I like you that. You surviving the... Uh, yeah. Shocktober spooktacular. Yes, yes. That's you, very Colbertian of you. You, you surviving it? You I am. enjoying it? No, I wouldn't okay. say that. Okay, all right. Uh, all right, well, you know, since uh, the uh, spooktacular continues, let's let's start with some, some encouraging news, some good news uh, for uh, folks out there before we get to the uh, troubling stuff. And yes, we have some troubling stuff ahead. Um, but first, the the interesting, the swell news uh, concerning the polls. This from the uh, University of Virginia, their Center for Politics, Larry Sabato's crystal ball, who has been um, predicting elections in various ways based uh, largely on polling now for years. Some really interesting news here. They have done a, a reassessment of their electoral college r- rankings or ratings uh, for the, all the states around the country. And they report that while they see no new states moving toward Donald Trump at this point, there are some surprising conservative places where he is registering very thin, soft support. He calls it a striking development in recent days that there have been a smattering of polls and showing Trump with some weak leads in otherwise reliably Republican states. He's now barely ahead, they report, in uh, some of the polls in Alaska. Indiana, Missouri, South Carolina, and, yes, Desi's old home state of Texas. These are states that shouldn't be close in any competitive election, they write. All of these states uh, have now been moved from safe Republican states to likely Republican states. The Clinton campaign will be spending money on Indiana and Missouri, 
uh, trying to uh, move the needle there, but uh, they add probably is more of an effort to help Democrats Evan Bay and Jason Kander in their uh, in their U.S. Senate races, which are uh, currently labeled as toss-up Senate races by the University of Virginia. We'll talk about uh, some of those Senate races, I think, in our in our next thrilling episode and where the hell we are in that regard. Now that the presidential race is beginning, at least to look uh, maybe a little bit more clear. Uh, But the University of Virginia goes on to note that perhaps most fascinating of all is Utah. That's right. Utah, where independent conservative Evan McMullen is dedicating a lot of time and energy. Evan McMullen, have you heard of him? Well, we've reported on him in this uh, on this show, but uh, a lot of people uh, have not heard of Evan McMullen at all. He is running as an independent, as a uh, a challenge to Donald Trump, essentially put up by the never Trumpers who can't stand Donald Trump. That would be a Republican. This guy is a Republican. Uh, I think he used to be with the CIA. He's now uh, with the uh, with the U.S. House. He's an aide in the U.S. House. Uh, The University of Virginia goes on to say that after the release of the Trump Billy Bush uh, access Hollywood video and the mass rejection of Trump by Republican leaders in Utah, they now move Utah all the way from safer. Well, they had removed uh, Utah all the way from safe Republican to leans Republican. However, since then, the polls have shown a very close three way race in Utah between McMullen, Trump and Clinton. In a state where neither major party candidate is spending much time or money, McMullen's cultivation of the state of Utah, which is uh, where he's from. He's a Mormon. He went to Brigham Young University. He's got his uh, central, his main campaign office set up in uh, in the Beehive State. Sabato says that could bear fruit and he may have the most room to grow in a state where Clinton and Trump are still very unpopular. Therefore, they say... The University of Virginia Center for Politics has now moved Utah to a toss-up state. It's no longer leans Republican, no longer likely, no longer leans. It is Utah is now considered a toss-up state. They write, seriously, did you ever think for a second that Utah would be a toss-up in late October? If McMullen won Utah and secured its six electoral votes, he'd be the first non-Democrat or non-Republican to win any state since the segregationist George Wallace won a handful of states with uh, 46 electoral votes back in 1968. Now, McMullen is only on the ballot in 11 states. Among those is also heavily Republican Idaho, but that has the nation's second highest percentage of Mormons, they report. States about a quarter Mormon. The only recent poll there did not include McMullen. They don't. It's so Republican they don't poll it very often. But it showed that uh, Trump was only at a weak forty percent of the vote, ten points up from Clinton in that poll that did not include McMullen, who is now moving into Idaho. He recently held two well-attended rallies in the state over the weekend, so they are pushing Idaho as well from safe Republican to likely Republican just by way of flagging that McMullen uh, is is having a a bit of a what they call a conservative insurgency that may be spreading to Idaho as well. So uh, wow on that. I'd also point you to I may have mentioned this the other day to 538.com. They had a fascinating article by, uh, I think it was Harry Enten over there, uh, basically describing Evan McMullen as the third most likely person 
to uh, to become president this year, to win uh, the presidency this year. Now, why is it not uh, Gary Johnson or, uh, or or Jill Stein of the Green Party? Well, they the, the argument basically, and it's really fascinating that he lays out, is that uh, McMullen could win the state of Utah, in which case he gets those six electoral votes, and in which case if there is some freakish tie or not even a tie, but if he gets those uh, six electoral votes in Utah and uh, neither Donald Trump nor Hillary Clinton are able to get the 270 uh, votes, electoral college votes needed to uh, win the presidency, then what happens essentially, according to the 12th Amendment, is that the top three leading vote getters in the electoral college are sent to the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. House where they will decide who will be the next president? There's more to it. It concern if they can't agree, if they can't get a, a majority in the U.S. House, then it's decided by the U.S. Senate. Actually, the U.S. Senate, which has decided who will be the vice president, it's really fascinating. I won't go into it. You can check it out. But that's why Evan McMullen, not Gary Johnson, not Jill Stein, is now considered at least by 538.com to be the third most likely person to win the uh, U.S. presidency in 2016. Yeah, and if you want to see a, a fictional representation, a dramatic representation of what this could possibly look out, look like, then uh, check out the se- the season finale of HBO's oh, yeah. Veep last yeah, year yeah, yeah. with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Not- um, that actually plays it out, the scenario, in the most absurd but hilarious way possible. Yes, not to give too much away, <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually the entire last season of Veep uh, also has to do with that and the uh, that the 12th Amendment yes. and that, yeah, that fascinating our stuff. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, in more uh, sort of, um, well, electoral news as far as how things are going, CNN is reporting that there are some hints of good news for Hillary Clinton in some key battleground states in early voting, which has already begun in a lot of places. According to an analysis by uh, CNN and a company they've partnered with called Catalyst, more than uh, more than 3.3 million Americans have already voted in the 2016 election via absentee and early uh, early voting. Uh, among that group, Democrats have improved their position in North Carolina, Nevada, Arizona, and even Utah, they point out, compared to this point back in 2012. Basically, the way they do this is they uh, this data company, Catalyst, connects returned uh, ballots with demographic and registration information like party registration, gender, age, And this supposedly gives them a closer look at who has already cast their vote and what they can glean from that. They have determined that Democratic early turnout has stayed steady in North Carolina, which is a battleground state compared to 2012. But Republican turnout in North Carolina has already dropped by uh, more than 14,000 votes. So things are looking good for Democrats in North Carolina on that uh, on that measure. In Nevada, another key battleground state, Democrats have a smaller early voting deficit today than they did at this point in 2012. In other words, they're still lagging behind Republicans, but not by as much as they did back in 2012. And Democrats are slightly ahead in Arizona in the early uh, in the early voting. So, which is kind of amazing, but they are lagging still behind Republicans in the tally of how many Arizonans have requested absentee ballots. 
They go on to say that most surprisingly, Democrats have improved their position in conservative and Mormon heavy Utah, where recent polls have shown a very tight race. At this point in 2012, Republicans led Democrats in the early voting by more than 22,000 votes back in, in 2012 when Mitt Romney handily won the state. But so far this year, the GOP only has an advantage of about 3,500 votes. Wow. In the state of Utah. There's uh, some, well, let's call it good, encouraging news for Donald Trump in Iowa. So far, um, 38,000 more Democrats than Republicans have voted. Why is that good news for Donald Trump? Well, because it's a narrower advantage than back in 2012 when the Dems were outpacing the GOP by more than 50,000 votes at this point. So uh, Democrats still leading in Iowa in early voting, but not quite as by as much as in 2012. And uh, the other good news for Trump is Ohio. Republican-led uh, legislature there has reduced the number of early voting days from 35 to just 28, so far, only 179,000 people have uh, voted in early voting in Ohio. That's a 66% drop. 66% drop from this point in 2012. Dems have a slight lead in the early balloting, but their lead is much smaller than it was in 2012. And overall, Democratic turnout dropped at a higher rate than it did for Republicans. Um, and there's uh, other news, uh, more uh, likely good news uh, for Clinton in Virginia and Wisconsin. Uh, also in Republican leading Georgia, early voting is up big time by about 25 percent this year compared to 2012. Um, that's uh, good news. Uh, lo looks like good news for Democrats. Uh, and in one sense, uh, this big turnout is good news. But waiting times were too hours at least in many locations according to officials in the first uh, in the first several days of early voting that's an encouraging sign that people are turning out to vote it's a terrible sign that the counties aren't more prepared for this and that uh, people are being forced to wait hours to vote in early voting anyway uh, so there you go that's your uh, let's call it encouraging news uh, and a little bit more uh, encouraging news with a laugh here from Stephen Colbert, who had this take on Trump's refusal to say whether he would recognize the results of the election uh, on November 8th. This was uh, this was Wednesday night on uh, on the CBS Late Show. They did a live edition immediately following the uh, immediately following the final presidential debate at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas. Here was uh, Stephen Colbert's Trump, uh, Stephen Colbert's Stephen Colbert's take on what Trump had to say when he refused during the debate to say that he would honor the results of the election in November. Though it came halfway through the debate tonight, I think uh, the definitive moment of the evening uh, of the election of the American experiment came when Chris Wallace asked Donald Trump if he would accept the results of the election on November 8th. And Trump had this to say. Are you saying you're not prepared now to condemn that principle? What I'm saying is that I will tell you at the time. I'll keep you in suspense. Um, oh my God. That's, uh, that's, well, I'm sorry, what's the word? That's 
horrifying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, you know, I just, I want to make sure I heard that correctly. Jimmy, can I hear that one more time? I'll keep you in suspense. Oh! Oh, suspense! <laughs> Democracy's gonna end with a cliffhanger. <laughs> I guess, I guess we're all gonna have to wait until November 9th to find out if we still have a country. If Donald Trump is in the mood for a peaceful transfer of power, or if he's just gonna wipe his fat ass with the Constitution. <laughs> That was Stephen Colbert after the after the debate on Wednesday night. Now, the media have been spending a whole lot of time on this issue. We spent quite a bit of time on it on our uh, on our program yesterday, uh, our our debate coverage. Uh, Democrats and Republicans alike were just absolutely agog at uh, Trump's response. He has since clarified somewhat a little, I guess. Uh, we'll call it a joke, uh, saying that uh, he wanted to make a major announcement on Thursday. He promised to uh, uh, pledge to all of his voters and supporters that he would totally accept the results of this great and historic pre- historic presidential election if I win, which his supporters were delighted about. He later went on to say that, uh, well, if Al Gore or George Bush had agreed three weeks before the election to concede the results and waived their legal right to a legal challenge or recount, then there would be no Supreme Court case and no Bush-Gore. He called it Gore v. Bush, but it's Bush v. Gore because it was Bush who went to the Supreme Court to challenge uh, uh, the counting and to stop the counting in Florida back in 2000. He says there have been numerous other cases. Uh, In effect, I'm being asked to waive centuries of legal precedent designed to protect voters. He said, uh, he added, always, I will follow and abide by all of the rules and traditions of all the many candidates who have come before me. And to some extent, I agree with him. He, you know, why should he uh, agree to give up his right to contest the election if there are questionable results? Now, I just covered a lot of the uh, results and this big, this wide lead that Hillary Clinton seems to be getting all over the country in the presidential race. So it seems unlikely that it would be close enough that any kind of challenge to the results would change the uh, presidential results. But, um, you know, a lot of the people who are freaking out about this, as I noted yesterday, are are kind of uh, hypocritical. Democrats, this was just weeks ago. They were warning us with the Department of Justice, correctly, by the way, uh, with the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security that our election system could be hacked, whether it was results, whether it was voter registration systems. They were uh, putting their uh, sights on Russia, that Russia could do it. And I've been pointing out that, sure, Russia could do it. So could China. So could Iran. So could the guy down the street. As we have been warning, when it comes to our voting systems uh, now, our electronic voting systems, both the touchscreen, 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that are still used all across the country, states in key battleground states like Pennsylvania, like Utah, by the way, like Nevada, New Jersey, Missouri, Kentucky, uh, all over the country. And so uh, those are the touchscreen systems, but also the optical scan paper ballot systems, which, as I noted, maybe, uh, I don't know, 5,000 times by now, that uh, those optical scan computer systems, 
they can also be rigged in such a way that you would never know if they were rigged unless you bothered to count the hand-marked paper ballots. And we don't. We simply don't. We simply accept the results that the computer reports. And if you go back and look at HBO's uh, Emmy-nominated Hacking Democracy documentary from 2010, that's just one example of how uh, how you can rig those optical scan machines to report the opposite of the correct results. And yes, that has happened in American elections. We spoke with Susan Booker, the uh, Palm Beach County, Florida election director who was lucky enough to notice when that happened back in 2010 on three different elections where the computers had announced the losing candidates to be the winners and vice versa. So, yes, that can happen. So, you know, Democrats were correctly warning about that. The Department of Homeland Security was correctly warning about that about the risk to our election just a few weeks ago. And then when Donald Trump started talking about the election could be rigged, suddenly the Democrats said, no, no, it can't. Now, Trump was talking largely about widespread voter fraud, which is preposterous, at least at the uh, polling place. Uh, Absentee ballots, that's a separate issue. That's where you will find voter fraud in this country, where we have it. Not an epidemic, it's not massive, but yeah. That can uh, certainly happen, and that can change the results of of the election. But Democrats, uh, including President Obama, have been uh, turned this entire thing into claims that our election system simply cannot be rigged or cannot be hacked and cannot be manipulated in any way. Here's Obama um, talking about uh, exactly this point on uh, earlier the week. I think this was on Monday um, in the White House Rose Garden talking to reporters. There is no serious person out there who would suggest somehow that you could even you could even rig America's elections in part because they're so decentralized and the numbers of votes involved. There's no evidence that that has happened in the past or that there are instances in which that, that will happen this time. And so uh, I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. Now, Trump should stop whining and go make his case to get votes. But to say that no serious person suggests that you could uh, rig an an American election, you couldn't rig American elections? Really? Seriously? That's That's just absolutely absurd. Of course you can. DHS said so. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, and it's not just with the election results. It's with the uh, the voter registration systems, which the DHS has all already said have been uh, attempted hackings within recent months of 20 different states. The voter registration systems in 20 different states, two of those hacks were successful. So I know what he's getting at. He's trying to, you know, say Donald Trump is wrong and uh, don't worry about rigging. Everything is fine. And he's saying that because our systems are so decentralized that states actually run uh, their own elections as opposed to the federal government. Therefore, big, bad Obama and Hillary Clinton can't come in and fix the election at once. But to say that these uh, particularly in a close national election like we saw in 2000 when, by the way, in the state of Florida, uh, Al Gore received negative 16,022 votes in Volusia County. 
which led Al Gore to concede that night and then later to unconcede once he found out about these negative 16,022 votes that he had received on optical scan paper ballot computers in Volusia County. Uh, negative? Negative 16,022? Yeah. Now, what happened in Volusia County? Well, I'd love to tell you, but here we are 16 years later and nobody knows. Nobody knows how it was that Al Gore received a negative vote total in Volusia County. Those uh, systems were made by a, a company then called Global Election Systems. Global Election Systems, after that uh, fantastic success in 2000, was then purchased by a company named Diebold Election Systems. Uh, they then, well, I won't bother you with it, but they changed their name to Dominion. Then they were bought by a company named uh, ESNS, which runs most of the elections in this country. And then the uh, DOJ said, no, ESNS runs too many elections. So they allowed a Canadian firm to buy them by the name of Dominion. Uh, in any event, that's what happened in 2000. So to, su to suggest no serious person would, you know, say that someone could rig American elections is patently ridiculous. And misinforming the American electorate. Obama did that same thing again during a rally for Hillary Clinton in Miami Gardens, Florida. This was on Thursday, saying that uh, there is no way to rig an election in a country this big. There's, there's no way to rig an election in a country this big. I, I'm, I don't know if Donald Trump's ever been to an actual polling place <laughs> where... You have Democrats and Republicans who are in charge of taking the votes. And so that's why I'm glad to see Republicans coming out and saying that kind of talk is nonsense. You've got Republican governors in battleground states like Ohio and North Carolina and Georgia and Nevada and Iowa and Texas and Arizona. Are they all in on this rigging? They're not going to rig the election for Hillary Clinton. Now, uh, you know, he's right. It's unlikely that Ohio Secretary of State John Husted would rig the election for Hillary Clinton. He could rig it for Donald Trump. He could rig it for, uh, you know, other uh, Republican candidates. And in fact, he has uh, tried to rig the election for Republicans by uh, keeping some two million voters off the rolls that have been ordered to be restored to the rolls by a federal court. And the state of Ohio is still fighting that. We'll get to that in uh, in a minute because we've got some news on that front. But I want to stay on this uh, this idea of hacking again. I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to give confidence to the elector uh, to the uh, American electorate that uh, that everything is fine. That they should have confidence in their election system. But false confidence is not good. And I would argue will also come back to haunt the Democrats. At some point, uh, when they need to come in and argue, hey, this election, uh, something went wrong. We don't know, was it hacked? Was it rigged? Was, it, uh, was there an error in the programming? But to be going out as they are now, telling people over and over and over, our electoral system cannot be manipulated, is just false. It is just a lie. The U.S. Elections Assistance Commission did a, a, an op-ed in the uh, in the Washington Post the other day, you know, telling people that oh, our systems are tested; they cannot be, they are secure, they cannot be hacked. That is just wrong. I speak to serious people, by the way. 
I, I spoke uh, with someone uh, recently uh, who used to work at a voting machine company and suffice to say is absolutely furious that uh, after seeing that after seeing that op-ed at the Washington Post, the uh, elections assistance commissioners claiming that uh, our systems are secure and cannot be manipulated, particularly by insiders, by the way. Insiders in each county can change the results of an election in 30 seconds flat, and you would never know. Period. That's just a fact. So I think this is going to come back to haunt Democrats. In the meantime... Uh, you've you've got uh, somebody, someone uh, within the uh, U.S. intelligence services putting out the information that seems to counter what the president is saying. Republican uh, nominee Donald Trump has repeatedly claimed without any evidence whatsoever, this according to Reuters, that the election might be rigged against him. In the meantime, Fabricated documents purporting to show rigged voting could be posted to create public distrust, according to law enforcement and intelligence officials, Reuters reports. So Trump has been casting uncertainty over whether he'd accept the November 8 results. Uh, U.S. In, in the meantime, U.S. intelligence and law enforcement sources are warning that Russian hackers could undermine the American public's trust in the electoral process by posting fake evidence of voter fraud online. Once again, uh, citing Russia here for some reason, when, frankly, anyone can do this. Anyone can post uh, this stuff online. Reuters uh, reports uh, that uh, these officials, who are not named, they're speaking on condition of anonymity again, said that hackers affiliated with Russia, uh, intelligence agents could produce fake documents purporting to show signs of electoral rigging, disseminate them online in the hopes of creating a public perception of widespread foul play in the general election. Yes, of course they could. And then they went on to say, while there is no evidence of such a scheme in the works, state and local authorities are warned to be ready and take precautions against hacking attempts. On the other hand, no serious person would suggest that our voting systems, our election could be manipulated in any way, shape or form, according to the president. He really ought to have a meeting with his own intel people. Um, and all of this comes about, I know I'm running late, but let me, let me do this and then we'll get to a break. All of this uh, comes about on the day. Today, if, you've, if you tried to log on to Twitter for much of the day today to say hello to us at the Brad blog on the Twitter, you probably weren't able to. Neither were you able to access Spotify or Reddit or Netflix, or PayPal, or SoundCloud, or Etsy, or Zillow, or Shopify, or Reddit, or GitHub, or Pinterest. All of these sites were knocked down for hours at a time today due to a massive denial-of-service attack on the uh, servers of a company named Dyn, which is a major uh, host for IP addresses, routes internet users to the correct websites. Apparently, the attacks began on the East Coast as people were waking up, uh, and then they appeared to hit again as the West Coast awoke. They said that uh, Dine said services were restored to normal after a few hours, but then they were hit by another attack just as this article was coming out at BuzzFeed. The Department of Homeland Security told CNBC that it was looking into all the potential causes for the, uh, of this attack. Reuters reported that the White House had asked U.S. authorities to monitor the DDoS attack, denial of service attack. 
Uh, this appeared to uh, be uh, there was a, a, a another recent attack like this. Cybersecurity expert uh, Bruce Schneier had uh, talked about this that someone is learning how to take down the internet. Some of the major companies that provide a basic infrastructure that make the Internet work have seen an increase in these types of attacks, and they've seen a certain profile of the attacks. They're significantly larger than ones that we're used to seeing. They last longer. They're more sophisticated. They look like probing. One week the attack would start at a particular level and slowly ramp up before stopping, and then the next week it would start at that higher point and continue and so on along those lines as if the attacker were looking for the exact point of failure. Now, remember... We have seen this in previous ele- in 2012. We saw this where and in 2010 we saw this. There was an attack on the uh, Sarasota County. We reported it exclusively at bradblog.com at the time. Uh, a worm, a malware worm, had been uh, sent there, and uh, there were problems subsequently with the voter registration systems at the polling places because we now use these electronic poll books instead of you know reliable paper. Instead, we use these electronic poll books uh, that are hooked up, yes, to the Internet. And if those are attacked, if there is a denial of service attack on Election Day on November 8th, ask yourself what happens then. Ask yourself if you can't vote all, you know, in, in various states around the country and forget, put the put the presidential election aside. You know, we've got thousands of other races, not just the presidential, but the U.S. Senate. We've got Congress. We've got state and local races. We've got initiatives. If you can't vote in one of those states on Election Day for two or three or six hours, as was the case when you could not get to Twitter today, do you think that's going to result in people claiming the election was rigged and having a right to do so because they couldn't vote for six hours on Election Day on a presidential election? And guess what? This is going on right now today, and no one knows who the source of it is. Uh, right now, they're saying that uh, they don't believe that is a, it is a state-sponsored directed attack, that this appears to be uh, well-planned and coming from tens of millions of IP addresses at the same time, but it's impossible to say how long it will go on and who's responsible. Uh, They think it's being waged by devices that are infected with a malware code that was released on the web in recent weeks. The company Dyn says it has not heard from attackers and does not know who they are. And it's taken down some of the biggest websites on the Internet in the country. But don't worry, county officials, county election officials will be able to stop any problems from happening. Any access to the uh, voting systems, either via uh, via Internet connections and they are at various times touching the Internet, no matter what uh, the the misinformation has been put out there by election officials at this point. Uh, Certainly the voter registration systems are. Those county officials, they're going to be able to stop something like this when Netflix and Amazon and Twitter can't, right? I'm telling you, this is going to come back to haunt those Democrats who are out there saying our elections cannot be rigged, manipulated, hacked, or whatever. But it's going to come back to uh, to haunt all of us uh, if if it happens. So uh, anyway, a major denial of service attack today. Uh, what could possibly go wrong on Election Day? We'll talk about some of that after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. 
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. People say I'm crazy They do Doing what I'm doing They, they do say that Welcome back to the Bradcast Maybe well, I, maybe they're right. Podcast. Welcome back to the Bradcast Brad Friedman from bradblog.com Maybe I am crazy, but uh, this uh, this warning that uh, you know, hackers could fake evidence of electoral fraud and that that alone could uh, freak people out and uh, result in chaos and panic and, and people claiming the election was rigged even if it was not on Election Day, absolutely true. We talked er- uh, a few days ago about how one guy who's a, a jo- an anonymous Twitter user uh, who, who, if you read his actual Twitter account, he just, you know, tells jokes throughout the entire thing. You know that he's not a legit person. And he comes out and he says, I've been enjoying myself in Columbus, Ohio, tearing up absentee ballots of uh, Donald Trump voters. And this led to the right wing media picking it up, the right wing bloggers and then Matt Drudge and then Rush Limbaugh. And that led to the Columbus police doing an investigation and the uh, secretary of state of Ohio announcing his investigation. And the U.S. postal worker, worker uh, postal service was doing an investigation all based on that one tweet from that guy who was obviously uh, trolling, was obviously making a joke. So, yeah, you, you don't even need to hack, uh, you know, put out fraudulent documents. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of gullible people. Now, we look into actual reports of, uh, of fraud, looking into some concerns in, I'll just say, one state right now, waiting to hear back from election officials. I'll let you know if I learn more. But it doesn't take much. In uh, Pennsylvania this week, a GOPer, put out a, uh, a, a docu a, a graphic that someone had posted and apparently this guy either believed it or he put it out as, as uh, you know as he claims now he put it out as a joke but a Republican city councilman he's now in hot water after sharing a, uh, a graphic a deceiving meme that was posted over the weekend telling Pennsylvania voters that they could vote for Hillary Clinton online on election day just by using a hashtag. The graphic says, vote Hillary November 8th. You can vote at home comfortably online. Just use the hashtag presidential election uh, with the word Hillary and your vote will be counted. That was what this uh, false meme, don't know who put it out, you know, probably a joke or maybe it was people uh, already starting with the dirty tricks, trying to get uh, trying to, you know, trick somehow trick Hillary Clinton supporters that all they have to do is. Uh, post Hillary with the hashtag presidential election and somehow that would count uh, for their vote. Well, this guy, 
um, Murraysville City Councilman Joshua Lorenz, uh, he saw this and and uh, he posted it. He posted the graphic along with more proof that the election process is rigged. Only Hillary supporters can vote from their smartphones or in the comfort of their own homes. He wrote on his Facebook page. And a lot of people flagged this and said, no, that's not true. He claims, oh, I was just joking when I put it out. It was a joke. It was on my private uh, Facebook page. It ran in the Associated Press. He ended up deleting the post uh, after he claimed it was a joke. But this led to the state of Pennsylvania putting out uh, their own special graphic saying uh, that there is no online voting in Pennsylvania, that this is false, that you must go to the polls on November 8 in order to vote. They tweeted, do not be misled. Pennsylvania only has two voting options, absentee ballot or in person in the polling place. The governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, issued a statement Uh, saying that any attempts to disrupt the electoral process should be investigated and uh, and prosecuted. And, in fact, um, it is illegal in the state of Pennsylvania for any elected official to purposely share misinformation about voting and elections. The state's attorney's general uh, attorney general's office said that they were informed to expect a referral on uh, this guy's uh, Lorenz's post. So, uh, no, it is not crazy to believe that uh, mischief will happen and could affect the results and the perception of the results. And as I noted earlier, when it came to Ohio, their secretary of state, their Republican secretary of state, John Husted, has in fact been trying to manipulate the results by trying to manipulate who gets to vote and who does not. The good news is uh, a federal district judge, uh, district court on Wednesday night, Uh, ordered that Ohio must allow uh, the voters who were illegally purged from the rolls to vote in this year's presidential election. If those who were unlawfully removed from the voters' rolls are not allowed to vote, then the Secretary of State is continuing to disenfranchise voters in violation of federal law. John Husted had purged uh, millions of voters from the rolls illegally, unlawfully, and has been ordered to restore them. And John Husted has been fighting them. And now the federal district court has uh, ruled that Ohio must do so. And Husted is continuing to fight it. He said, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll restore the votes of people who were purged from the rolls within the last year, but nobody prior to that. But that is just uh, not what the court has ordered. So now anyone purged since 2011, as well as anyone who has moved within the same county, they will now be able to vote. But they'll have to do it uh, by provisional ballot if they are not on the voting rolls, if they have not been properly restored. That after a higher court had ruled all the way back in September that he acted illegally, uh, the Ohio, Republican Ohio Secretary of State, uh, that he acted illegally by purging two million votes. And by the way, uh, he has been one of those, uh, Husted has been one of those saying, oh, it's ridiculous what Donald Trump is saying. I'm in charge. I'm going to make sure that nobody can manipulate the roles, can manipulate the uh, results here in Ohio. And Barack Obama went along with it and cited John Husted. As uh, as saying that and as being the one to run the elections in Ohio and telling voters, so don't worry about it. Everything is fine. 
you that's one of the reasons I'm saying Democrats, this will come back to haunt them. They should not be telling people this. They should be telling people to, to be vigilant and to understand. They should be telling them the truth about their voting system. An investigation by Reuters earlier this year found that low-income black and Democratic voters were disproportionately purged in the state of Ohio. That in major cities, including Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, voters were removed from the rolls in Democratic-leaning neighborhoods at about twice the rate as in the Republican neighborhoods. So even if you don't care about the presidential race, even if uh, Hillary Clinton can pretty handily win, even if she does not win the state of Ohio... There's all kinds of other races that are going to be affected if a million voters have been improperly purged from the rolls. Uh, so uh, the, uh, the, the voting rights uh, folks in Ohio said it's imperative that election officials and voters have clarity on all of this ASAP. People may just now be realizing that they've been illegally purged and we need to inform uh, we need the information to get out as quickly as possible. So the state of Ohio has also been ordered to contact these voters and tell them that they can vote by provisional ballot either early or on Election Day. We'll see how that goes. In the meantime, the dirty tricks are also beginning down in Texas, where the local Republican Party in Tarrant County, Texas. Where is that, Des? That's, that's, uh, uh, that's Fort, Fort Worth. Fort Worth, right. <clears throat> yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the third, the state's third most populous county. They're being accused, those Republic, the Republican Party, of egging on discriminatory voting practices. They sent out an email calling for poll watchers for, quote, Democrat-controlled polling locations to make sure our voter ID law is followed. Uh, they say, they call this an alert. Emergency voter fraud information inside. Alert. We especially need poll watchers in Democrat-controlled polling locations. Voter ID is still required in Texas, uh, and uh, they want, we want to make sure our, our voter ID law is followed. What the email does not say is that the voter ID law has been changed, has been softened, has been weakened by the federal court after it was found to be unlawful and discriminatory, and now you don't need a photo ID to vote, as uh, this, uh, this notice goes on to warn. Uh, you don't need a photo ID to vote in the state of Texas. You can uh, offer an ID like a bank statement, a check stub, uh, so forth. There's a whole bunch of other IDs that are, are allowed again, uh, as they were previously back when there were no problems in the state of, of Texas before Republicans there tried to, yes, rig the, rig the election, rig the turnout by uh, denying some 600,000 legally registered voters who disproportionately tend to vote for Democrats from being able to access the polls. Well, now those people can't. They'll have to sign a reasonable impediment declaration, basically saying that there's a reason why I don't have uh, the type of photo ID now required, but I do have a bank statement, an ID, a Social Security card, uh, an expired driver's license, all of those uh, IDs that weren't allowed previously. So as long as you have one of those and the Republican Party of Tarrant, Texas is not of Tarrant County, Texas is not telling people about it. They are claiming that there is a, a, an emergency voter fraud alert going on. 
Now, they're also violating the law or uh, coming very close to it by uh, intimidating and frightening voters and telling them to look in Democrat areas. Because back in 1982, the uh, Republican Party was forced to find uh, to sign a federal consent decree that they would not target areas. Uh, for this kind of effort based on uh, uh, race and demographics and so forth. So they are likely violating that consent decree as well, which the Republicans are hoping to have lifted next year. Uh, And Democrats are probably going to use this information to say, no, this is why the Republican Party cannot be trusted. This is why we cannot lift uh, this consent decree, uh, keeping them from doing these kind of things. Um, So uh, can the election be rigged? Can the election be manipulated? Evidence says yes. No matter how many people tell me I'm crazy, no matter how many people, be it Republicans uh, or Democrats, um, be on guard, people. Pay attention to the facts. The facts matter. All right. I know. Running late. We got to get out. A quick break and we're back with more broadcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. By taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. I gotta say, Trump did do a decent job holding his baser instincts in check. But at the end, he let his Trump flag fly when Hillary talked about tax reform. My Social Security payroll contribution will go up, as will Donald's, assuming he can't figure out how to get out of it. Uh, but what we wanna do is to replenish the Social Such a Security nasty Trust woman. Fund. Oh, yeah, so nasty. Also, quick reminder, no one respects women more than me. Look, look, so nasty. My name is Donald Trump. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Welcome back to the Bradcast. That's Mr. Cast, if you're nasty. <laughs> Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, all right, we've got a few, uh, a few minutes left here. Uh, move away from elections for a moment. A couple of uh, points that I want to clean up from the debate. That point about uh, him calling, about Donald Trump calling her nasty. Well, Donald Trump did not always think Hillary Clinton was nasty. As a matter of fact, as recently as 2008, as uh, CNN's uh, Andrew Kaczynski, the K-File, as they now call him, uh, he had uh, he found earlier this week, this was an interview with the uh, local cable news channel, uh, New York One, back in uh, t- 2008, not that long ago. So this was, just to remind you, 2008, the year that Barack Obama was elected. He was talking about Hillary's tough primary battle 
with Obama and her legacy as a senator. So it was before she became Secretary of State, and he was talking about Bill Clinton's legacy as president. Now, mind you, Donald Trump is telling us how terrible uh, the 90s were. Bill Clinton was a terrible president. Hillary Clinton was an ineffective senator. He said this over and over again in all of the debates. She's a nasty woman. Well, in 2008, for some reason, Donald Trump did not feel that way. Here he is on New York One. I think she's going to go down at a minimum as a great senator. I think she is a great wife to a president. Uh, and I think Bill Clinton was a great president. You know, you look at the country then. The economy was doing great. Look at what happened during the Clinton years. I mean, we had no war. The economy was doing great. Everybody was happy. A lot of people hated him because they were jealous as hell. I think she's a wonderful woman. I think that she's a little bit misunderstood. You know, Hillary's a very smart woman, very tough woman. That's fine. But she's also a very nice person. And I know Hillary and I know her husband very well. They're fine people. They're fine people. I mean, they're nasty. She's nasty. She's terrible. <laughs> she was a horrible senator. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, was a terrible president, a disgrace to the country, uh, except when he wasn't. Uh, so that was uh, Donald Trump from 2008 singing the praises of the Clintons before he decided he could, uh, well, that he thought he could make a lot of money by running for president. Uh, and uh, calling them nasty. And uh, so I know Trump, what a liar saying one thing one way at uh, one time and uh, something else different. I just wanted to get that on record because I thought that was very interesting, I I particularly in response to that nonsense uh, about uh, you go, nasty. She's a nasty woman. You know what? She's nasty because she's kicking your ass, Donald Trump. Sorry. Anyway, um, all right, one other point I wanted to make. This was uh, brought to my attention by City Duck over at Daily Coast. Uh, a, a, a moment from the debate. We didn't get to this one, I don't think. Actually, I, well, I don't remember if we got to it on our debate coverage yesterday or not. But uh, a, an important point. This was, as a City Duck describes it, a Trump debate moment which destroys a tenet of Republican philosophy, but he or she adds, is whooshing by everyone. So this was, um, uh, this is a, he, he or she writes, uh, Donald Trump is at his most damaging to Republicans, not when he lies, but when he tells the truth, when he opens a window to the soul of the Republican Party and shows the darkness within. Such a moment happened at the debate on Wednesday night in Las Vegas, and yet no one is mentioning it. So uh, this is from uh, Hillary. I think we have this as two clips, Des. Um, uh, th the first one is, uh, well, Hillary, you can, you can hear what she's talking about, and then we'll, we'll discuss. He mentioned China. And, you know, one of the biggest problems we have with China is the illegal dumping of steel and aluminum into our markets. I have fought against that as a senator. I've stood up against it as Secretary of State. Donald has bought Chinese steel and aluminum. In fact, the Trump hotel right here in Las Vegas was made with Chinese steel. So he goes around with crocodile tears about how terrible it is. But he has given That's jobs to Chinese steel workers, not American steel Mr. workers. Mr. Trump. 
Okay, so there was uh, outlining his his hypocrisy in uh, you know not uh, using American steelworkers even while he's out there you know claiming that he's for the working people. He's spending a lot of time in the Rust Belt and in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, in Ohio, and so forth, where a lot of those steel workers live. And yet when he builds his buildings, he's using Chinese steel. All right, so there's some hypocrisy there. And here, but, but this is not the point that uh, City Duck was making. Here, listen, to, uh, listen very closely to Donald Trump's response. For 30 years, you've been in a position to help. And if you say that I use steel or I use something else, I make it impossible for me to do that. I wouldn't mind. The problem is you talk, but you don't get anything done, Hillary. You don't. So he said that a couple of times. Make it impossible. You were a U.S. senator. You should have changed the laws to keep me to make sure I couldn't get away without paying federal income taxes. You should have changed the law to keep me from being able to buy steel in China instead of here in the U.S. City Duck writes, in short, Donald Trump, as the standard bearer for the Republican Party, just admitted that American businesses will not act in the national interest, only in their self-interest, unless regulators force them to do so. He admitted that businesses will not act responsibly unless regulated. He just provided the factual foundation for the Democratic argument for strong regulations and enforcement. He, uh, he or she writes, this exchange is a dagger to the heart of a key point spouted by Republicans in opposition to regulation. Democrats should be able to get some long-term mileage out of this quote in hearings and ads in the years to come. And City Duck is absolutely right. They are not going to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do, just because the invisible hand of the free market. And Des, you spend a lot of time covering uh, regulations of the EPA, uh, you know, against the, uh, the, the fossil fuel industry, pointing out the necessity. They're not going to do it just because it's free market. Well, no, of course not. That's the essential nature of what the free market, free marketeers want to have. They want you to have to wait until after the problem occurs, and then maybe you can do something about it, but not going to do it in advance. No, they're not. You need the regulations, uh, which Donald Trump has said he would do away with pretty much all federal regulations by the EPA and a whole bunch of other uh, the, the, uh, federal uh, agencies. And, and so that's the point. Donald Trump, well, you should have stopped me from doing it. It's not my fault that I did it, that I took advantage of the law. You should have stopped me. And that's exactly the point. He's not going to do the right thing, and not just him, but any company, any company who has a fiduciary duty to their shareholders to try to maximize profits is not going to, you know, do the right thing just to do the right thing. And Donald Trump was uh, there in that debate, essentially admitting it on Wednesday night in uh, in Nevada. Democrats would be wise to pull that out and make that point. The next time uh, Republicans are out there, which is always, uh, you know, claiming that Democrats are against businesses and uh, leave the businesses alone. They'll do the right thing because, you know, invisible hand, free market. No, they won't. All right. My uh, my thanks to our, my producer, Desi Doyen. My thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. You can always download our program at bradblog.com for free. Share it with your friends. Uh, put out the good word. You can reach me on the Facebooks and the Twitters when they are not down from a denial of service attack. 
I am the Bradblog at both places. You can also drop me email. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. Thanks, uh, by the way, if to those of you who stopped by Bradblog.com slash donate to thank us for what we do. It is greatly appreciated so that we can help stay on your public airwaves to tell you the truth, no matter who it is out there who's lying to you. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, the Shocktober Spooktacular will continue. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.